Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. We're finishing our series on faith that moves mountains. And I want you to recognize that more things can happen with your faith than, than, than anything else. I mean, uh, there's so much doubt in the world. There's so much fear. But the people of faith need to rise up in that faith, right? Today we finish with a message I call Victory Has a Voice. Victory Has a Voice, starting with Psalm 47 and working to Zechariah 4. Psalm 47, verse 1 and 2 says this, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. And then verse 5 says this, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Not gonna, I'm just going to pause there for a moment because I, I love words. I love word studies. I love to kind of dig into the wealth of the Bible. And this week I, I was drilling down into the, just this passage just for my devotions and all of a sudden just came alive in my spirit. Uh, how many know that when you clap, it's usually not golf clap? Golf clap, you know what golf clap is? That's what everybody, he steps up for the putt. It's a three-footer. And he makes it. Here's a golf clap. Clapping has some sound to it. And then it says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And I, and I was amazed because the Hebrew word for shout there is the word ruah. It means war cry, to split the ears with sound or make a signal for battle. Signal God that it's time to fight for his people. And when, you, when it says, and God has gone up with a shout, verse five, the word there is Allah in the Hebrew, it says God is exalted stirred up and roused in strength for action by the shouting of his people, by the war cry of his people. My friends, you and I have a great responsibility. When we clap our hands, it's, it's not just, okay, we're at church, isn't this nice? We're signaling God. We need him to arise and fight for us. Amen. And then it says in Zechariah chapter four, verse six, so he answered and said to me in this vision, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, I'll explain more in a few moments, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Let's pray one more time. Father, open the eyes of our heart. We pray today. We're here to pursue you. As Pastor Lindsay said, we're here to seek you, to chase after you, to run after you, to pull on you, to prevail upon you, to let you know we desire you, we're desperate for you, and we need you, and we love you. 
Come, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our hearts to understand today that faith comes by understanding and understanding by the words of your book. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, faith that moves mountains is so much more powerful than human emotion. A lot of times we live, we live in a culture, and even in the church world much of the time, we, we've been conditioned to believe that our feelings are the trump card. Our feelings are the main thing. That, that if you feel it, it's real. And yet the word of God says that, that, that faith is more real than what you feel. It'd be a good song. Pastor Lindsay, it'd be a good song. Faith more real than what you feel. We talked last week about Jairus. And if we, he was led by natural human emotions, he could have run ahead of God and gotten to the place where his miracle that he needed wouldn't have happened yet. And it just reminded us to, that faith moves in a walk with Jesus. We've been talking this whole month about our need to continually grow in faith. It has to be nurtured, it has to be strengthened, it has to be developed. And so this month has been kind of a, hopefully a faith checkup for you. It's been a faith checkup for me. And I want to say this at the outset today. Faith grows when there's a demand placed on it. <clears throat> faith doesn't grow in a, in a vacuum. Faith doesn't grow in nothingness. Faith grows when you're in a situation where God needs to rise up, where God needs to fight for you, where God needs to be stirred into action to answer your prayers. And so what happens is there, there are, are most we talk about, you know, we, we talk about this, but there's, you have to understand it. There's a, when you're going through something, it's an opportunity to put a smile on God's face because without faith, it's impossible to please him. But he that comes to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder, that he will answer you when you seek him diligently. There's a, there's a diligence to faith. And the problem is in our culture today, even among the Christian culture of America, a lot of our faith is very passive. <clears throat> it's very, whatever will be, will be. It's very que sera, sera. It's very, three people know Doris Day, but anyway, it's an understanding that when you're in a place where you have to see God move, it's uncomfortable, but that's where your faith is growing. So when you say, God, Build my faith. Help me to grow in faith. You're not, you're not asking for calamity, but you're, you're saying, God, I love you more than this uncomfortableness that I feel sometimes when my faith is stretched. And so I want you to, I, I want you to stretch my faith, grow my faith, help me to grow in that faith. We, we often talk about grace and faith working together. You know, you're, you're not saved, you're, for you're saved by grace through faith, that none of yourselves, it's the gift of God, lest any man should boast, Ephesians chapter two, right? So grace and faith work together. I mentioned a couple of times this month, but I've been kind of meditating this week on what amazing grace really means when it's connected to faith. You know, grace theologically means that everything good including the faith to believe and trust God in the first place, 
emanates from God himself. That grace means that, that everything comes from God, even faith, even, even the unctions of the anointing and the, the tremendous presence of the Holy Spirit. Everything originates with God, not with us. We, we use the acronym God's riches at Christ's expense or God's righteousness at Christ's expense or God's um, redemption at Christ's expense. It's all at Jesus' expense. It's all, it all costs God more than it costs you or me. Grace means that we don't get the punishment we deserve, but we do get what we don't deserve, which is mercy, favor, and empowerment because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Grace means we don't get the wrath of God and eternal hell for our own sins, but the blessings of his perfection. Grace means that we receive the blessings and the power of the Holy Spirit. Grace means that God turns every minus into a plus. In fact, Paul the Apostle is talking about uh, having these tremendous visions of God, and yet he has these challenges in his own life that he talks about the thorn in the flesh, and he says, three times I sought God, just take away this thorn, just, just do a quick miracle, do a quick work. And what was the answer? Jesus spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough and more than enough. Listen, for my strength is matured or perfected in your weakness. Man, I hate weakness. I hate my own weakness. I hate it. You know, I'm, I'm reminded during the holidays of how little willpower I actually have. I mean, I was, I was completely full of Thanksgiving meal on Thursday, as most people were. I mean, completely full. And then the dessert came. And I found room. And then I didn't need more dessert. But somehow the dessert called to me again as I passed by. My son found, you know, one of our, one of our old favorites back from when, when we had a village inn in Ocala, which is over 30 years ago now, was French silk pie. So our son was in uh, Tampa or someplace last week, passed by a village inn and said, oh, I can bring home French silk pie for Thanksgiving. In fact, he brought home two. He brought one for last weekend and one to put away for Thanksgiving. So I've had about four pieces of French soaked pie in the past week. And then my, then my pants were tight this morning. Like Pastor Chris said, it's stretchy pants time. Stretchy, what do you call it? Stretchy pants day. Huh? Stretchy pants Sunday. I love that. Weakness dissolved by his grace. Zechariah gives us a different side of moving the mountains in our lives. I'd never seen the parallel between what we preached a few weeks ago in Mark the 10th chapter. You know, you shall, uh, whosoever, whosoever shall speak to this mountain with faith in his heart, nothing doubting, shall have what he says, the mountain shall be removed. 
I never saw that as a parallel passage to Zechariah chapter four until this week. Zechariah talks about moving the mountains, but he also tells us how to do it, how to speak to our mountains. He tells us what the Lord would have us to speak and reminds us that the pressure is not on us. We can't move mountains, but he can. A couple of our crew techie guys today are running around with their Nothing is impossible with Jesus t-shirts from a couple years ago. It's probably my favorite t-shirt we've ever done. I love that, love that. It's from a graphic that Ryan did a couple years ago or a year and a half ago now and, and it has three mountains on the top. Nothing is impossible with Jesus and Jesus said, nothing is impossible with him that believes The pressure's not on us to move the mountain. Our role is to prophesy to the mountain. And moving that mountain is actually not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Grace is the work of of the Holy Spirit. The moving of the mountain is the work of the Holy Spirit and we need him more than we ever have. So what do you say to the obstacles in your way? Zechariah says, you prophesy to them. You prophesy, what is to prophesy? To prophesy doesn't mean, thus said the Lord God. Some fancy thing where you sweat and dab your hanky. Prophesy is to simply say what God is saying to declare what God is saying in a certain situation. What do you say to the obstacles in your way? What do you say to the delays you experience in your life? What do you say when it's not going your way? You prophesy to the mountain. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah that Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, for those of you who don't know your Bible history, was the grandson of King Jehoiachin. Jehoiachin and Jehoiachin was the one that was carried away captive with his family to Babylon. And the Bible says that Zerubbabel, the grandson of King Jehoiachin, easy for me to say, would help lead the exiles of Israel back from captivity into Zion. He said, Zechariah says this, before Zerubbabel, the mountain will be flattened. It won't just be removed like move from here to there. It will be flattened. It'll be reduced to a plain. You ever heard somebody say, they, well, that person's making a mountain out of a molehill. Our God takes a mountain and makes it the size of a molehill. He flattens the mountains in our way by the spirit of the Lord. Now the word Zerubbabel, and this is, this is another interesting little study here. Zerubbabel means sown in Babylon, a seed sown in Babylon, Zerubbabel. His, Babylon is in his name. Here's the grandson of the king, the last king of Israel before captivity. And Zechariah steps up and says, Zerubbabel, what was sown in Babylon? In other words, good things will still arise out of your trouble 
and give you the power to conquer by grace, by God's grace. Even, you're being real quiet today. I think some of you are still on tryptophan. All that turkey stuff that Pastor Chris mentioned and you're, and you're, you're, you're a little sleepy. I want you to track with me here. You gotta get this. Now remember, all I am is the, is the fountain, okay? A pastor <clears throat> brings the word. The word is sacred. The pastor is flawed, human. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fountain. Those who get the best drink are those who pull the hardest and the strongest. And so pulling is simply responding. That's why we like, we don't like yes and amen because, because we're, we're, we're looking for flattery or noise in the church. We look for yes and amen of agreement when you actually get it. When you understand it, you need to say amen. So be it according to what you just said. Yes. Go after, pull on the word of the Lord and you'll get more. Zerubbabel means sown in Babylon. Did we have that on the screen? Did we not have that on the screen? Sown in Babylon. Not S-E-W-N like sown with a sewing machine. A seed in a foreign land when everything else looks like you've blown it and God has left you alone. That's grace. This is a seed. So Zerubbabel, hey Zerubbabel, you will, you might have been sown in Babylon. You might be a seed sown in Babylon. But let me tell you something. You are gonna rise up and you are gonna be given power to conquer because you're the seed of God. And what do we prophesy? What does he say? And Zerubbabel, you shall, you shall speak to the mountain. What does he say? Usual shout, ruach, war cry, grace, grace. We get so under works righteousness sometimes. Even faith people. In fact, I'll say it this way, especially faith people. Because we take so much on ourselves. We're, we are responsible to pray for our nation but we're not responsible for the murders in our nation. We're responsible spiritually to pray, to intercede for those things. And that's an awesome weight sometimes, isn't it? But sometimes we take that weight on ourselves. So at the end of the day, I love what Peter writes. He said, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. There's a place where you have to pray and there's a place where you have to release it. And part of being a strong intercessor as we are in this church. We're an intercessory prayer church. Just in case you don't know that, we are an intercessory prayer church. And because we're an intercessory prayer church, we have to know when to pray and when to trust God and recognize it's not, we have the burden, then we release the burden, and then we relax because it's God's burden. His yoke is easy, his burden is light, right? <clears throat> Sometimes you have to shout to your obstacles. Hey, mountain, my awesome God is about to come on the scene and blow you up. Okay? That's, that's the prophecy. That's what this word is. Grace, grace is saying, hey, hey, mountain, hey, obstacle. My awesome God is about to come on the scene and blow you away. I don't know when. I don't know how he's going to do it. But Jesus is Lord of this. 
Jesus is Lord of this. You got bad news this week from a doctor or a lawyer or a banker? Jesus is Lord of this. Or as young David said to the giant, you have defied the armies of the living God and he will give me your head today. He will give me your head today. He will give me your head today. He will move this obstacle today. I trust my God. David prophesied to the giant and you have to prophesy to your mountain too. Now here's good news. If you don't hear anything I say today, write this down right now because this is the word of the Lord. Triumph is voice activated. We live in a time where we speak to Siri or we speak to Google or we speak to Alexa to have the lights on or the, you know, call so-and-so or do this or do that. Our God is on the scene with your war cry, with your shout of faith, with your shout of praise, even when you don't feel it, especially when you don't feel it. Victory, triumph is voice activated. God has affirmed this in his word since Genesis 1, where God said, light be and light was. Way before Alexa could turn on the lights, God turned them on with his voice and then created man in his image and says, here, do what I do. Say what I say. Do what I'm saying to do. God spoke it into existence and the worlds were framed. Your world is being framed by your words. Activate your voice. Activate your faith. How many times do you hear somebody say, oh man, that's killing me. You know, it's just different things that we say in the culture. Guilty of it myself. And I'm not trying to get you to be the word police, okay? A lot of faith churches are filled with the word police. People will rebuke you for what you said wrong. No, no, I'm trying to say for yourself. Listen to yourself sometimes. Listen to yourself in how we're conditioned downward not upward, that we say dumb things, but, and, and listen, it's not just saying the words that, that, that activate, it's the belief in what you say is activated. So you're not, you don't really believe that your finger is killing you when you hurt your finger. But it also is not agreeing with what God said. By his stripes, you are healed. You were healed 2,000 years ago. Another definition of grace, and we'll finish up the month on this. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. The unmerited favor of God. This is another area where grace meets faith. You see, you have to use your faith to access God's favor. That's grace. I've learned this time and time again as I've traveled the world for the last many years, many decades, you access goodwill by faith. 
even in the, in the traveling part, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been on sold out airplanes. Even people waiting for a seat on standby. And yet the seat directly next to me is open and stays open because God cares for me. That's not every time because God wants you to be humble too. But God cares for your comfort. God's favor means you live an exceptional life. An exceptional life. You're the odds breaker. If it's, if it's one in a million, there's, you're telling me there's a chance, right? <clears throat> anyway, at least a few more people remember Dumb and Dumber. Best movie in history. We quote, in our family, we quote Dumb and Dumber probably once a week. In other words, for you to live an exceptional life, it means when the odds are against you, God is still for you. Now, I want to say this. I want to qualify by saying this. Moral principles and laws do apply to you. But the normal course of the way things work does not. When I say moral principles and laws do apply, means this. If you want to walk in favor, you have to walk in kindness and humility as you walk in favor. Those things go hand in hand because otherwise an entitlement mentality comes and the moment you get an entitlement mentality, it stops the whole flow. Uh, Like, uh, you know, like football teams. Listen, I've been a lifelong Gator fan since I'm 15 years old and I've lived in the highs and I've lived in, in the lows and the lows are no fun. But here's the problem. In the high moments, our fan base developed an entitlement mentality. And we don't show up unless you perform. And we don't show up because now it's uncomfortable because we don't know if we're going to win right. It was a lot more fun when we knew we were going to win or we knew it was going to be a battle or we knew we had a a winning coach or or a winning season. And it's the same thing. Listen, I've been around, uh, you know, I love Nancy Blackman. Nancy Blackman is the world's largest uh, or biggest fan for Ohio State University. She's a big fan. There's, see, we got another person right here. Uh, ushers? No, 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 no. 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 no, I respect them. I respect them. But when, we, when, when, the, when the Gators played the national championship 2006 game, my son and I went to Glendale, Arizona, and we were at the game, and it was probably... I don't know, five to one ratio of Ohio State fans versus Gator fans. And the Ohio State fans came in with this attitude like they shouldn't even have to play this game. They should already be crowned because we were just a formality. And I remember sitting there thinking, well, this is, that's kind of smug. I hope we never get to be like that, which we did. And right in front of us, this mother and daughter were sitting there, and the daughter was probably 18, 20 years old. Mom was probably in her 40s. And they were obnoxious Ohio State fans. I mean, obnoxious. And they were, and so we were, we were kind of in the, we were in a, uh, an area where it was mostly Gator fans, but then all of a sudden all the Ohio State fans were all in front of us, and we were kind of the dividing line. 
And these women, on the first play of the game, um, Ted Ginn Jr., well, I don't want to describe football here today, but some of you are going to sleep. So anyway, on the first play of the game, the guy, the guy receives the kickoff in the end zone, runs it back 100 yards, scores a touchdown for Ohio State. And these ladies turn and went, <laughs> and they were jumping up and down, screaming, doing, they were trying to spell Ohio. They got mixed up. It was kind of crazy. It was, anyway, <clears throat> anyway, so they were like gloating. And I just said, it's a long game. Relax. And the Gators won 41-14 over Ohio State. Nancy, sorry, 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 sorry. No, the, the, the point is entitlement is always a danger because entitlement is connected to pride and pride goes before destruction, not a fall. See, the world says pride goes before a fall. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction, haughty spirit before a fall. Humble yourself and say, Lord, he'll lift you up. So I enjoy the favor of God, but I try never to place a demand on people or an expectation on them because I'm anything, because I'm nothing. The first time I got upgraded to first class on an international flight, this is probably over 20 years ago, I was put on an international flight uh, from Copenhagen to Atlanta with Delta. And I'd got enough points where they had moved me up already. Well, then they, this is when they used to have something called first class. And there was like, there's like four seats in first, if this is first class, this is elite first class. They brought everything out on fine China. And they brought me, tell me you know this story, but they brought me caviar. And I was like, golly, I'm from Ocala. <laughs> I, I mean, I was embarrassed, but I was not too embarrassed to say to the you know, flight attendant, psst, psst, I don't know how to eat this. And I don't know if I'm going to like it. She said, okay. I love when people sit up here that don't. She said, let me teach you caviar. So she took the caviar. She put on this fancy thing of bread. She squeezed a little lemon juice over it, which I thought I would hate. And then she mixed it with sour cream, which I love. Now I'm up in first class on fine China, looking back at my other seat where I had been. And I'm eating caviar. For some reason, my pinky went up. When I did it, I was having a spot of tea. Bring me the head of a pig. You know, like, you know, I felt like a king. I felt like, but I also felt so unworthy. I felt so undeserving. And a lot of times in my life, I've found that the greatest grace comes at the time when you're the most humble or the most down or the most uncomfortable. Like, I don't know if I deserve this because I don't. And God says, and now I want to bless you. Favor. My friend, favor is yours. 
You know, there's a whole thing, you know, you know, years ago, I don't know if T.D. Jakes preached it or whatever, but people would say, blessed and highly favored. It's out of a quote about Mary receiving the Magnificat that Jesus was going to be born in her. And, and, and she's talking about, you know, blessed, uh, you know, I received this blessing. And so we say blessed, and we used to joke about it, say blessed and highly flavored. But, it's, but the, the favor of God is there. The favor of God is on you. It's accessible. You have to step into it by faith. But you don't do it with meanness or entitlement. You do it with a humble spirit. You do it with a gentleness. <clears throat> favor works because the Holy Spirit is with you, on you, and for you. But people don't owe you. They don't owe you that. I've stayed in some, I've stayed in some of the best hotels in the world and I've stayed in some of the conditions where you could not believe and I, I didn't even want to lay my head on the pillow. I, I was in Managua, Nicaragua one time. The AC didn't work. The bathroom, everything was rusted. I didn't want to set my toiletry bag down on anything and the sheets were dirty and, and, and the, we had to keep the windows open because the AC wasn't working. And outside my window all night was a goat. I don't mean the greatest of all time. I mean a literal goat. And I would just get to sleep and I, meh, meh. Oh, Lord, help me through this night. To go to sleep on that place, I literally took my clothes out and I, remade, I put my T-shirts over the pillows and over the sheets. And I, I was so grossed out, I could hardly sleep. And I had to preach twice the next day. And I still did it with a humble spirit, a gentle spirit. No, no, I grumbled. I grumbled. I repent. I grumbled. I didn't have, I, I, the, the next day I did the best that I could. I preached the word with power. And then the next night we were not in a nice place. You just never know, but you, but you don't, people don't owe you anything. The favor of God is on you and you access it with an expectation, but not an entitlement. Okay. I'm almost done. I want you to get this because the favor that's on my life is on your life. Not just for travel, but in every day. The journey of Israel received, the, uh, the journey, the, excuse me, the journey of the children of Israel, they received God's favor to receive the provision they needed for the, for the journey of the promised land. In preparing for the Passover miracle, Exodus chapter 11, verse two, God said to, to Moses, speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor, articles of silver, articles of gold. This is while they're preparing to go into the house and put the blood over the doorpost. And the Lord, verse three, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Do you know how hated, how despised the children of Israel were for the, by the Egyptians? And yet they gave them because they asked, but they didn't ask like demanding. They asked, hey, God told us to ask. And people said, yes, leave, please just leave. Here's everything. Here's my silver. Here's my gold. Here's my clothing. Whatever you need, just go. God will give you favor even with that person at work that hates you. God will give you favor in that situation where they're speaking against you. God will give you favor with that professor, that teacher that just doesn't, just doesn't seem to like you because you're a Christian. Whatever it is, 
Trust in the favor of God. These people were absolutely hated and despised, yet God showed up in his miracle favor. On your faith journey through life, God's divine favor puts you up even when other people pull you down. There are humbling moments, but you are against all the odds. There's favor in tough circumstances. Can't tell you how many times I've heard these words. I don't usually do this, and then something good happens for me. Or they say, I don't know why I'm doing this right now, but can't tell you how many times. That's not just in travel. That's just in, just in my life. Someone say, well, we can't do this, but I'll make an exception for you. That's the favor of God. You give him praise. You trust in him. You do good. You stay sweet with people. The bottom line, you carry a spiritual atmosphere of either faith or doubt. Depends on what you're feeding into your heart and mind, not what you're feeling in your heart and mind. Feeding, not feeling. <clears throat> the word or the world. Carry God's goodness, carry God's grace and favor with dignity and respect for other people. Remember, victory always has a voice. Victory always has a voice. Glorify the Lord. Speak of his love and mercy. Declare his mighty power. Agree with his mighty word of truth and never give up walking by faith and not by sight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. <clears throat> we ask you to come and move in this place today. Lord, for every person that's watching online, hearing these words, we release and remind that anointing of God's favor. Great is your faithfulness, O God. We release that awareness of grace for this week. The things that happen for us are not because of us. The things that happen for us are because of Jesus. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to ask you a question today before we pray anymore, and that is this. What's your relationship with the Lord like right now? Don't tell me how, clo how close you used to be to God. Faith is a now thing. What's your relationship with the Lord like right now? Are you secretly holding feelings Resentment against God? Because you used your faith and it didn't happen like you wanted or in your timing? Repent. Repent today. The answer is repentance. The answer is to turn to God with all your heart and say, God, I don't want him to be like this. If you're not the closest to the Lord you've ever been, and if your faith is not the sharpest and strongest it's ever been, then you need to go to God today. And you need to get with God, maybe not in this room right now, but even when you get home or this evening when you're about to go to sleep, He's worthy. His love is real and He loves you so much. Trust Him. 
Maybe you're here today and you're not, you're not as close as you once were. Would you just say today, just say, Jesus, come into my life in a brand new way. I need a fresh anointing, a fresh start. I need new grace. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I need that mercy. I need that grace today. And if you're gonna get grace, the Bible says you gotta give grace. Don't be impatient with everybody else's imperfections today. Trust him. Quit trying to be God to them. Just point to him. Love on him. Victory always has a voice. If you're gonna shout, don't shout out of anger at humans. Go someplace alone and shout to God with a voice of victory. For your triumph, your victory is voice activated. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.